podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Pompey Pubcast that combines the beers and the blues. Barros for Pompey, round Kushak goes down, penalty to pass with an old dropper. Barros tripped by Thomas Kushak, who sent off Lantari do the job. He steps up, left-footed, scores for Pompey. They lead an old Trafford in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Jamal Lowe's onside, the flag sneak down, Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant. Portsmouth Football Club are promoted to League One. Curtis across the face of goal. Marquez! Marquez! He's won it! 96 minutes on the clock. Pass with a heading back to Wembley. This is Three Lads in the Pub. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Three Lads in the Pub. Well, I say three lads in a pub. It's actually two lads in a bedroom. Uh, I guess we'll get it out of the way, right at the top of the show. Our exalted DJ and leader, Liam Houses, not able to be with us tonight. And considering he has all the equipment and the technical expertise, Jeff and I decided it would be better off to do this via Zoom rather than take uh, one of our phones into the pub, uh, specifically the Rutland Arms, and suffer the wrath of the hand dryers again. So in the meantime, we're going to have a shorter episode for this evening, hosted by myself, Ryan Stilwell. And as always, I've got Jeff Harris with me. So welcome to uh, Two Lads in a Bedroom, or Two Lads Over Zoom, if that's uh, not PG enough. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. Hello, mate. You all right? Uh, <laughs> I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Uh, yeah, you know, technical issues aside, you know, we thought it would be a good idea to do it over Zoom, didn't we? Now my, now my laptop's crashed, so we've, uh, we've resorted to Plan 24, I think it, it is, or something <laughs> like that, isn't it? Yeah, there are only 26 letters in the alphabet, so I think we're on plan <laughs> AF right now. Uh, <laughs> but we are here. We're, we're at least going to give you something for the week because it is quite a, a big week we've just had and a big week we've got coming up with the games as well. As I said, it will most likely be a, a shorter podcast with Liam's absence and obviously there'll be a, a slight dip in the authenticity and the quality this week. So we'll jump... Straight into it, Pompey back at Fratton Park for the first time since December 10th when they saw out a 2-0 victory over Morecambe in the league. So far in 2022, they've had three games, two at the Abbey Stadium to play Cambridge, one in the league, one in the trophy, a draw and defeat respectively. Sandwiched between those two games was a trip to Exeter and the trophy of that miraculous turnaround once again. Yesterday was a 2-1 defeat against MK Dons. Jeff, there's been a... Lot of debate on yesterday's game. Obviously, the result in itself is disappointing. More the performance is the subject of debate, and and the you know it's ended the ten game unbeaten run, five games without uh, without conceding before that as well. What was what was your take on the sort of the game and the reaction overall? Uh, well, I, I think on the whole, the, the, the players came out with some credit at the end of the second half. You know, they left nothing out there did they and they gave it their all in the, in the second 45 but we can't start games in in the manner that we did you, you know yes we it was quite encouraging the first 20 23 minutes scott twine spent most of his time in his own 18 yard box rather than ours and we were really on the front foot and and through you know two or three unforced errors we put ourselves in trouble and and you know, for, for MK's first goal, 
Hackett doesn't, uh, you know, meet bit skilled, get himself out of trouble. And, and you think, you know, that's a really good play. And he, and he just switches off for that second. And, it, and you know, a wayward pass goes, goes to an MK player and obviously ends up in the back of that. But, you know, for, for everyone who was blaming Hackett for that, you know, misplaced pass, I, I just want to highlight, for me, Bazzuni's starting position, he, he, he came out with goal, then he stopped, then he went again, then he stopped, and he was quite hesitant. And you just thought to yourself, if he had just carried on going in that first instance, that that maybe he would have put ISO off, you know, my ISO off a, a little bit more, he would have closed the angle down a lot quicker. And I just think where he stopped, started, stopped, started, he, he, his angles were wrong. And yes, it was a good finish on into the bottom corner. But I just think, like I said, if he, if he carried on, he would have closed that angle down. And he got his angles all wrong because he's done that stop, start, stop, start. I don't know what you saw of it, but that's what I saw from, from the front end for the first goal. The second goal, that, I don't know what that was from Freeman. That, that was either a back pass, that was a, that was a, you know, a, a pass back to, to, to Raggett, whatever it was. But again, positioning, it, you know, it's another unforced error kind of kind of thing. And, and you know, Raggett wasn't in position or and Bazuna again, stop start. And, and it was like they weren't communicating, I didn't think, in, after the first 20-odd minutes. And, and again, they, they, they just they, they run out of ideas after 25, 30 minutes. And, and deservedly, you know, for... Credit where credit's due. M- MK took their chances, and everyone was saying before the game, MK would would dominate possession. They, you know, we would struggle to get the ball off them. But let's not forget, we, we've got the, the the start of the highest turnover in 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 the AFL. And so I thought on, on the balance of play, it was quite even. I think the, the final stats were fifty one percent to to MK and and forty nine to to Pompey at the end of the game. Some around those figures. So. You know, on, on the balance of averages, it was an even game. But you look at shots, <coughs> shots at their goal and, and shots on target, having tw- having 22 shots and only six on target, it's quite, we talked about this, didn't we, you know, several weeks ago, even last week, Ryan, we, we, we spoke about this, about how efficient we are in front of goal. And, and yeah, we're, we're crying out for that striker. Of course, that's scored in the second half, but... You know, we, we should have been two, maybe three up before going in at halftime. Yeah, some of those chances we created throughout the game because that's that's one of the few games this season where I felt we've actually had a steady, a steady creation of chances from minute one through 90. I think you can probably curse your luck that just a few minutes into the game, that knockdown from Ragged falls at the feet of Conor Ogilvie. Uh, we don't have instinctive strikers up top, let alone instinctive goal-scoring defenders. So that that didn't help our cause. There were a few chances you could pick out where we've we've made it tougher on ourselves to convert them. The one I'd probably highlight straight away off the bat is when Harness broke away from the Milton Keynes midfield the second time, he lays it outside to Curtis and Curtis takes two oh, touches yeah. that angles him further away from goal Whereas if he's able to turn it just a couple of degrees inside, it opens him up to shoot for that far corner. But because he angles it away, he has to slow up, wait for the ball to arrive back in front of his feet. And all he can do in the end is lash it towards goal. It goes 
to the near side and, and Jamie Cummings just tips it over. Whereas you had an onrusher to the left. If you strike it to the far corner, you either you either stick it in the far corner or Cummings is likely to parry it out either for a thrown on that side of corner or that side or if we're lucky into the path of the onrusher. Those are the chances there where you, you have to work the goalkeeper better, that there could be another phase of play in that in there if you do it properly. I think just to address the other points you made, certainly with Bazunu, I think Bazunu uh, was symptomatic of basically a larger a larger team issue with both goals. I think you're right in that they were essentially implying that they were sluggish, they were slow off the mark. If you look at the moment Hackett gives the ball away for the first goal, I saw before the ball before the ball was securely in, in the possession of Matt O'Reilly. Uh, Mo Issa is peeling away from the centre-backs. He's making the space outside, which enables O'Reilly to slide that diagonal ball through to him. And then he's got the angle to go for goal. And then for goal number two, I, I think it's one of those overzealous challenges from Freeman where he aims to drop the the you know the trajectory of the challenge back into a safe space. I don't think he realised that Scott Twine was the only player switched on again. Uh, and MK Don's player is the first player to react to the ball. He shrugs off Raggett too easily. Yes, the deflection is is fortunate in the way it falls for Corbiano, but that is an extraordinary strike on the half volley, running onto it, cracking off the underside of the bar. But for go uh, for both goals, you are right. You know, Bazunu doesn't quite get himself sorted out. The defense doesn't react quickly enough. Both times, it's a black shirt that that gets moving first. And you have to think ahead of the game. You can't react to the play around you. You have to anticipate what's going to happen. On both occasions, MK, uh, MK Dons did that and they punished us to great effect, which was really, really frustrating because building from the back, MK Dons didn't threaten us all game. Building from the back slowly with their possession base, they couldn't get to us starting from their own third. Outside of the two goals they scored, they had another shot on target in the first half. And that was a P-roller from Twine that went down. It went straight down the middle to Bazunu. There was the chance in the second half where Corbiano runs the whole length of the field on the counter. Bazunu pulls off a stop. In terms of quietly building from the back, though, we didn't let MK in. Ultimately, MK have won that game because of two really sloppy errors and then be too sluggish to sort ourselves out straight away and and form a new line. Looking at it as a whole, it's weird to say this because I don't want to verge into the realm of Kenny Jackett saying it's a good way to lose. But what <laughs> I will was, say that is... That was going through my mind, yeah. What I will say is I didn't understand the booing. Now, I've already received some grief for saying so in my Eastern Road DB blog um, I'm just going to tell people, y'all need to learn how to read. Uh, I never told anyone how to be a Pompey fan. It's your money, do whatever the hell you want. But I'm still within my right to say, I think it was ridiculous that the players got booed. It was a 10-game unbeaten run. I don't care if what club you're against. If you're against a club that's a perennial playoff contender, and certainly MK Dons are always a team, you know, for the last couple of years that have looked like a team that could achieve the playoffs. They currently are well consolidated in the playoffs. They've beaten better teams than us this year. They beat Wigan away 2-1 from home. I, losing 2-0 at home to MK Dons at half time 
on the back of a 10-game unbeaten league run in a game in which you've very much been alive and you're losing 2-0 because of your own mistakes, not because you've been played off the park or you're, you're, you're not just trying at all. You could see the effort was there. We just weren't conducting ourselves efficiently enough at the end. I, I think the booing was weird. And again, I'm not telling you how to be a fan. Your money, do whatever you want. But for me, that that didn't strike that didn't strike me as a game where it was warranted. We have played much worse than that MK Don's game, and we have won. You know, I, I yeah, Gillingham, Fleetwood, yeah. Crew, all the way through the season, we've won games where we've been pretty crap, actually, and we've we've lost games where. How many how many okay performances have we put in in defeats this season? Up until yesterday, I would say zero. Not a single defeat this season have we come away from, and I thought we've at least put in a performance worthy of at least a draw. Now, yesterday was probably the first time I could look at a game and say, we shouldn't have lost that game. In every other game this season we've lost, I can't complain about it. I, I feel that we shouldn't have lost that game yesterday in terms of the chances we created, in terms that when the opposition actually had the ball operating from the back, we still created the better of the chances and the, the higher frequency of chances as well. Again, as I put in my preview for the game, we'll lose this because we can't get out of our own way. And that's exactly what we did. But as far as defeats go, that wasn't a terrible performance. It was an okay to promising performance ruined by two kamikaze moments. And that's why I feel the booing was a bit, it, it felt a bit disingenuous to me, but again, d- do what you want. <laughs> I, I'm cer- I'm certainly not an authority on the matter, but this is our platform. We'll express our opinions. If you don't like it, don't listen. I, I don't know what you want me to tell well, you. That, that, that's, that's exactly it, right? You know, you, you you say you picked up some flack. I, I've picked up some flack today for, for for liking a tweet that said why are people basically having a meltdown about losing first time since October in the league. Uh, and, and you just like, you know, it, we got called pessimists because we were being realistic with our league expectations. And You know, I said eight, you said nine through to 12, I think it was. You know, and, and, and people are starting to, to see why I think why we said that, and, and you know, yes, me and you do most of the talking on podcasts, and Lee, you know, Liam hosts, and you know, we we kind of get get the, the flat when we um, when we say make statements like that. But I think people are, are looking at you now and going, yeah, okay, we are an eight eight through to twelve kind of team, that second third team, but equally. Now, we, when we say we didn't play that bad on the, on the overall, you know, in the ninety odd, you know, ninety six minutes or whatever it was, six minutes injury time, on the balance of the thing, we, we, you know, for the entirety of the match, we played well for that for that twenty five minute slot in the first half, where you know, the first twenty minutes. MK Dons didn't know what hit him. They, you know, they, they were meant to be this this team that could break down, you know, break down defences, press, everything else. And they just had no answer for what we'd done in those first 20 minutes. And it was those two unforced errors that, that changed the game. Now, you know, 
if people are booing for a 25-minute segment in a match that is 90-odd-plus minutes, you know, yeah, you know, we, we, we spoke about this two, three weeks ago on the podcast. Boo at the end of a game if we've played badly. But, you know, doing it at half-time, I'm like you. I'm, I'm like, no, you know, that, 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 that's not for me. Have I booed in the past? Yeah, at 90 minutes. I, I, no, absolutely, um, so have I. You know, we've we've all done it, but it's it's just baffling. You no, know, football is a subjective sport, and and people people look and watch football games in their own perspective, in their own you know kind of lens, and and they're entitled to their opinions. You know, I see a lot of things on social media as as do you, and I just think that's an absolute barking statement. If I don't like it, I don't have to feel the need to jump on there and go. I think you're totally wrong. And just skip, scroll past. Oh it. yeah, you know. <laughs> Go to uh, the next one. I think, just, yeah, <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't uh, outright tell people what to do and what not to do, but I, I will judge it from my perception, and no one has to agree with that perception. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Hell, I made I made an I made a mistake in episode one, and I held my hands up. You know, I <laughs> I I admit that. You know, gets mentioned every episode, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I admit that I'm not infallible. So, you know, I'm not arrogant enough to proclaim that I, I have the right to tell every fan what to do. But to me, at halftime, it felt it felt weird to do so. I think what's given more credence to that is I've seen a lot more fans also saying that it felt wrong to... Because it, it was loud. Like, booing it at halftime, that was loud. Uh, I've seen more people agreeing that it was from our side than saying, you know, I pay my money, for, I can build what I want. And yeah, you are right. You can, you can be if you want to pay money again. I'm not telling you what to do, but it, it just didn't it didn't sit well with me. And I'll relay that. And I think we'll, we'll not linger on this because we want to move on. This is a short episode. The last thing I'd say on this, and this isn't just Pompey fans because this happens the world over in football. The most curious element of this conversation whenever it comes about is as a fan base, we are all experts in telling the owners how to spend their money, what to spend it on, when to spend it. We're experts in telling the manager what team he should pick, what system uh, he should pick it in, what subs he should make, when he should make them. And we're keen to tell uh, the manager when he's made mistakes. We're keen to tell the owners when they've made mistakes. We tell the players how to do their jobs. We we tell them when they've made mistakes. We certainly let them know when they've made mistakes. We're all very keen to look outwardly and criticize and acknowledge that other people have uh, done wrong or done things that we don't agree with. Yet the moment you, you have the temerity to suggest that uh, a fan or a group of fans may not have been at their utter best or, or their zenith in terms of their support for the team during a game all hell, fire and brimstone breaks loose. Uh, to me, that that's quite an interesting facet that we're able to look outwardly and criticise everyone else and acknowledge that. But sometimes there is this reluctance to look inward and, and you know evaluate our own performances on that day as if we're infallible and godlike. And, and going, you know, going home from the game yesterday, again, I thought, oh, we, we've just been 10 games and we've just had five games in the league, this is and five games in a row with a clean sheet. It, 
again, we, we, we were always in that game. We were never out of that game and we were always creating chances. We just, we just shot ourselves in the foot twice. And I'll, I'll say, I'll say what now I'll say when the seven, the ERD match report, nothing, what I saw yesterday was news to us. We didn't see anything new yesterday. Pompey have a problem converting chances and Pompey have a problem with consistently gift wrapping goals to other sides. If you go back to the two, one defeat away at Burton in, I think it was October, both Burton goals, we gave the ball away 30 yards from our own goal, similar to this. Yeah, this is this is not a new problem. So I I find it curious that people are surprised by what we saw yesterday. This is and this is why you and I and Liam say we're an average side because average sides do this on a fairly consistent basis. So I think we'll tie that in a bow there because we, we've we've talked about MK Dons now. We'll move on to what we've got coming up in the week. We've got the rearranged game at AFC Wimbledon on Tuesday. Um, that, that's going to be delightful getting in and out of London. And then we've got the longest trip of the season on Saturday away at High Flying Sunderland. So we've got a really tough week coming up, Jeff. Um, based on, obviously, that that runs over now, uh, courtesy of the MK Don's defeat. What context do you view this weekend? It, it, the, this weekend? Because obviously, one defeat in 11 in the league. But if you look at it from a basis of what, the football's been like since we've come back from the enforced COVID break, i.e. the start of 2022. We've played four games, lost two, drawn one, won one. And that victory at Exeter was absolutely freakish in nature. We shouldn't have won that one either. What context of you viewing these two really tough games in? Uh, what's your mood going into them? You know, uh, being a realist, we've you look at, you know, Saturday's game and the next four games, and potentially you know they are they are a run of five hard games. I'd I, you know I'd like I'd like to say we'd get seven to nine points possibly out of those five, and that's going well against against these. You know you've got we've got um, Wigan coming up as well, and we Sunderland, Charlton, um, and, and the ARC Wimbledon. So yeah, it's it. You know, if we can take seven points, that's great. Nine points is an absolute bonus. Realistically, five is probably what we'll get out the next five games. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but looking at those fixtures and looking at how the other teams are going, that that's that it is a tough one of games. But conversely, the next five after that are, are in comparison are, are easier games. So. If we can get those five points in these games, and then we go into that, you know, go into the next five running games, and we start picking up points there, we will still be in and around the playoffs. We really will. It, it, it's, yeah. it, that's that's the operative word right there. Um, you know, the Wimbledon game, for example, there are four League One games Tuesday. That us and Wimbledon. There's Cambridge, Doncaster, Morecambe, Wigan, Rotherham, Lincoln. In other words. None of the sides around us in that playoff battle are playing. Plymouth aren't playing. Dons aren't playing. Oxford aren't playing. Sheffield Wednesday aren't playing. Acton aren't playing. Ipswich aren't playing. Burton aren't playing. Now, we are six points off the playoffs as it stands. We've got a game in hand on Plymouth. We've got a game in hand on Sheffield Wednesday. We've got two in hand on Oxford and MK Dons. Now, let's say we go out Tuesday and we beat Wimbledon. It's not going to be easy. That. 
they're a physical side. They go north and south quickly. We've seen this in the in the league game at Fratton Park. We saw this in the EFL Trophy where they beat us 5-3 at their place way back in September. But let's say we go out and beat Wimbledon. We've got 21 games left in the season and we are one game away from the playoffs. Yeah. But to me, despite my criticisms of the season and despite my evaluation of the side, I think over, you know, just over halfway through the season, to be within one game of the playoffs is not extraordinarily bad. It, you're, you're still fighting for something there. You're still relevant in the conversation. I think, you know, to your point about the amount of points you pick up in these next few games, the, the flip side of that coin is that we're six points away now. We could be nine come the end of Saturday. There is a very realistic possibility that we come away from Wimbledon and Sunderland with nothing. That's not pessimism. That's just reality. We've already lost to Wimbledon once this season and Sunderland are currently second in the league. They've absolutely smashed the hell out of teams like Sheffield Wednesday in the not-too-distant past. This end to January, where we, we, we have these tough games coming up and we have these good sides that are, that are chasing something because Burton aren't entirely out of the playoff picture either. And we still have to play. We've got Oxford coming up, the rearranged Plymouth game. We do play a lot of the sides either in the picture or very much leading the way in the next few weeks. I think by the end of January, in terms of recruitment, in terms of playing Sunderland, playing Wimbledon, Oxford's the other, just at the other side of uh, that marker. We are going to know a lot more about what the end of our season is going to look like. But for the moment, even myself, you know, I'm going to both these games now because, you know, I'm now in the phase where I'm back to doing every single game home and away. And I I still, even for me, there's still a sense of optimism. There's still a sense of, we are still relevant here. You go out and beat Wimbledon Tuesday. No one else has a game in hand on us uh, in the in the league that's around us at the minute. We go out and win Tuesday. No one no one has a game in hand on us, and we're one game away from the playoffs. That's that's not an awful place to be right now, considering that the expectations for this season weren't exactly grand. So for yeah, me, exactly. yeah, for me, it's an important week on that basis. It's it's a it's a chance to to really keep in touch and just put your name back in the hat of we're still relevant. I, I'm, you know, I, I'm probably Liam would agree, and you know, from the tone of your voice, I think there was a bit of cautious optimism as well. Yeah, you know, I I I feel a lot better and a lot confident going in into you know these next two games on the back of that second 45 on Saturday if we'd had a poor 40 second half Saturday I'd be looking at Tuesday going you know there's potential banana skin here um, and then going into the Sunderland game I'd, I'd, I'd be going into thinking you know we haven't got a chance now Tuesday I think is coming at the right time it's 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 a game close coming close to obviously yesterday it, it gives the players an opportunity to get Saturday out of their system. You know, they, they, they've got to start Tuesday like they finished on, on, on Saturday. And, and by that, I mean, you know, there was, there was five or maybe six occasions where um, Hackett had the ball and he thought, well, yeah, we know you're, you, you're pretty uh, much one-footed. You've got a good left peg on you. The ball was, you know, there's four or five Pompey players in the box. 
it, we, yeah, hold it in front and then standing up, screaming at him, just whip it in, and he checks back. And, and, he, and he checked back about, like I said, five or six times. I think, I think that will be righted um, today and tomorrow. And, and they'll go into Tuesday. And I think Lee Brown will come back into the squad because Lee Brown will give you those overlaps. Lee Brown will give you those 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 crosses into the box. Now, they may be great, not great crosses into the box, but when you've got five Pompey players in there and Raggett is playing as an auxiliary centre-forward because he's going, oh, I'm going up front, you know, similar to the, 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 the Plymouth game uh, earlier in the season, you can't get those balls in there. You, you really have. And, and you know, by checking back and then taking another touch, another pass, you're giving the opposition more opportunity to get more bodies back into the box to, to defend it. So I fully expect Tuesday we'll see a lot more crosses into the box. Um, and, and you know, if they don't, if they don't start, how they finish Saturday, then serious questions need to be asked to that, that mentality of the team. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Outside of the, the gift-wrapped goals we gave MK Dons on Saturday, I think the most frustrating element for me is that we've had some poor crossing this season, but there were a number of delicious deliveries put into the box Saturday, which nobody had the killer instincts to get on the end of. They were making their runs too late. They were trying to barge their way around defenders rather than anticipate ahead of time. There was one harness ball that floated into the back post where it just it took an eternity to go out of play for a goal kick and any, you know, just foot poked out, it surely goes in from that range. There were two Conor Ogilvy deliveries into the box that no one decided to get on the end of. And it's in those moments where football are, you know, footballers are instinctive and we've seen all season where our instinct lets us down both offensively and defensively. And, that game looks a whole lot different if any, if just one of those players decides to stick their foot out or make a run a split second earlier, you all of a sudden come from 2-0 down to take a point out of the game. And if, if you equalise the time any of those deliveries were made, I, I won't say it was around the 20 minute, 50 minute to go margin. All of a sudden you've come back from 2-0 down with 15 minutes to go. It's not out of the picture to go out and to go out and win the game. So it's not as if the opportunities weren't created. Now, granted, Milton Keynes, the way they play, sometimes they they are a bit lax defensively. But for a team like us that struggles to create chances, it was at least a positive on that side that throughout the game we were a presence. And yeah, I 100% agree. If we can't take any of uh, what we generated in the second half on Saturday and take it into the game against... Uh, the other Dons on Tuesday, then you've got to question why. Why have you lost all that momentum within 72 hours? Why are you not fighting tooth and nail to put yourselves back within one game of the playoffs? And certainly <laughs> that trip to Sunderland, in in front of fans, we don't have a good record there. Our only win there is behind closed doors. We're gonna, we have to put ourselves in a good position for that Sunderland game because... At home right now, they are a tour de force. So I think that's yeah. the warning sign put out to Pompey. They done a, they done an online poll, didn't they? About uh, uh, out their three heaviest defeats, what team do they want to get revenge on the most? So yeah, you know they're 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 going to be well up for it at their place. Um, let's just hope we turn up for it as well. And, and and give them a good go because it, anything less than 
then 100% next Saturday is, could spell disaster for us because we know what their crowd are like. You, you know, we, yes, we'll take a good following up there. Um, but Pompey need to get off on the right foot on, on in both games, don't they? Absolutely. I'm just, I'm just looking back at Sunderland's record now because if you if you take out that freakish defeat to Lincoln, they suffered 3-1 last week in which their former player Chris Maguire scored yeah. a hat-trick. If you look at before that, their previous results at home, they beat Sheffield Wednesday 5-0, they beat Plymouth 2-1, they beat Morecambe 5-0, they uh, beat Ipswich 2-0. They're putting good teams to the sword uh, and they're putting challenging teams to the sword. So, yeah, that, that's one to watch out for. But, of course, we've got the Wimbledon game first. Uh, I've seen a lot of it. That one's a bit of a a gutter. A lot of people wanted to go to Wimbledon for the first time. All of a sudden, it's a Tuesday. They can't make it. I've seen a lot of tickets floating around. So if you're someone who couldn't make the original ticket sales after the, the cock-up at the ticket office, just keep looking around. I do see, I do keep seeing tickets being made available as fans can't make it. So, yeah, that's Tuesday night, Sunderland away, Saturday. Uh, we'll move on now. We'll, we'll look to wrap this up a little bit. Um, we'll go to Dublin Din of the Week first. <laughs> with two defeats uh, in a week and two, you know, two markedly different defeats in terms of the nature of the performance, I have struggled with a dub of the week. I don't know if you've got any in your drafts. The, uh. the original dinner of the week, leaving the Cambridge game, I was going to give for Alex Bass because realistically, his the, the number of saves he made Tuesday, both in in both halves was probably the only reason that scoreline looked a little bit respectable at the end. 2-1 uh, could have been five. Yeah, it could have easily been five and people could have been laughing at us for it. So my original contender was Alex Bass. But having said that, we still lost 2-1. So it's it's hard to give a dub of the week to a backup goalkeeper in a game which we still lost. So I'm I'm really struggling this week. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling for a, a, a dub of the week. As, as well, so may, maybe maybe we do give it to Alex Bass. Be, Alex Bass, uh, for your for your efforts to try and keep Pompey alive in the Earful Trophy, anyway, while the rest of the team floundered, you may have our dub of the week. Um, I guess I'll also just give an honourable mention to the club. I think there was a lot of reticence and. Uh, anxiety over how these COVID checks would go; that there'd be massive queues. For myself personally, I went through multiple checks on the way to the ground because I, I came in through the Anson Roadside. I stopped in the Victory and then I went back across the Fratton end to the turnstile by the North Stand car park. So it, overall, I, th- I think I was checked three times. But to me, uh, and I was checked between like half one and 2.40. So I was checked at varying different times in terms of crowd popularity. Uh, for me... It, Fairly efficient. Um, yeah, I think the club took a bit of a hammering before the event had even taken place. But in the end, they had quite a few volunteers dotted around at key points. It went fairly smoothly. So, yeah, I get, they won't get a dub of the week for it, but I guess an honourable mention for, for yeah, at least having yeah. an efficient process set up for it. Definitely. You know, I was on the, uh, the, the fans conference when they talked about the plans for 
what they're going to put in place. And and I know Marie and Andy Cullen, um, Marie Stedman, that is, and Andy Cullen and, and the team at Pompey put in a lot of planning to, to put those checkpoints in. Right. Yes, there's been positive and negative feedback, as always, on social media. But I think in, in the whole, you know, it worked really well. Absolutely. Now, din of the week, likewise, I'm also struggling because, again, when you suffer two defeats in a week, again, with oh. two wildly different performances, there's a lot to pick out in both games and there's a lot to pick out in terms of the club's transfer activity as well and, you know, more articles coming out about, oh, it's hard being Portsmouth, etc. Again, I'm struggling for dinner of the week, Jeff, so I'm not, I'm not sure if you've got anything lined up. I, I've got one and, and you know, I, I, I'll, I'll put this out there because... It was quite comical. There was a, oh, I don't mind people standing in front and end, you know, I sit in front and end and, and each to their own and, and all that. But there was, there was one guy who uh, clearly had had too much to drink and was, you know, kind of dancing like Bez from the Happy Mondays every time the drum was going off. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and he was told, told what, maybe eight times that he needed to sit down because there were some young kids behind him and they, they couldn't see and, and this, that, and the other. You know, you know, I was just sat there laughing. I'm, I'm two rows behind this guy, and I'm sat there laughing. But it was quite entertaining and all that. But, the, you know, the only thing that saved him getting kicked out was the fact that he had his young son with him. And, you know, but the way he was just telling the stewards where to go and, you know, and, and this, that, and the other, I do what I want, I pay my money kind of kind of vibe going on. And I was just sat there like, mate, just shut up. You're going to get kicked out in a minute. You know, but, you know, that that's the only... That's the only real dinner of the week that I can come up with because it was it was it was so comical. It, it was funny. It's uh, it's more than what I've got, and yeah, <laughs> comically bad things in the frat and then will always get picked up. So uh, to that guy, dance like best from the Happy Mondays, you get our dinner of the week. Uh, I don't think there's too many of our listeners that would get that reference, but uh, at least a high school. What what made it even funnier is that you had his CP company Balaclava on. So uh, it was either I thought he was the phone hacker from Dom Jolly's and IRA tell <laughs> or, or whatever. And all he needed was a set of maracas and he was off. Oh dear. So yeah, that's, that's the dub and dinner of the week sorted. We'll wrap this up in a couple of minutes. I'm just going to take uh, five, five comments from our litany of comments from the game. Yes. Says we are on a shorter pod this week and zoom only has a certain amount of time for recording. So uh, we put out Saturday evening as we do after every game. What was your reaction to that? So I'll just pick out five comments from it. Uh, Baz says, not disappointed. The game was an awful to watch. We play much better football versus this time last year. A few less mistakes and a bit more confidence in front of goal. And we're there. Uh, we'll scroll down a little bit and it comes to Adam North. Uh, it highlights our desperate need for a goal scorer, dominant for the first 20 minutes, then we'll go one nil down from their first attack. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing more frustrating than that. Uh, Chris Elston, we either create, but then cannot convert the chances or we do not create the chances. Our substitutions rarely change anything substantially. I mean, Hurst off, Marcus on, nothing changes in the system. So opposition jot, uh, jot put off balance while trying to figure out the change. Uh, we'll do with fortune spinning again. So moving on to Ethan now. Hull of the attack let us down today. Crosses rarely beat the first man. And when we got ourselves into good positions, we were either too scared to shoot or just carelessly gave the ball away. Really disappointing response to the first goal as well. Looks completely deflated. 
uh, will spin again. And we come down to Paul Scanling. We need to be more aggressive in the final third. Too many times we didn't shoot or didn't shoot soon enough to get a clearer shot. Also really sloppy on defence. Allowed the first goal. Got to be better. And one final spin down towards the end of the cup. Oh, I can't, I can't read that one. Um, <laughs> can't read that one either. Well, I suppose I could, but uh, we, we want to keep some form of cleanliness last week. Having said that, we were effing and jeffing away last week. Uh, let's find a comment. Uh, Bradley Saunders, here we go. The reaction to the defeat is embarrassing. The minor setback, which, let's face it, has been coming for a few weeks. Hard work and grinding out victories does cover the cracks, but the problems are still there. Give the Cowleys time to get the squad they want and we'll be laughing. Uh, thank you for your comments as always. Sorry we couldn't get through all of them. Sorry that we do have a shorter podcast this week. We do, well, we should absolutely be, be back to normal next week. But in the meantime, we're trying to give you just something in its place. Uh, Jeff, the general consensus there seems to match what we've we've said on the podcast. Looking through most of the comments, actually, we had, I think it was in the region of 45 to 50 overall uh, 45 it was exactly actually and a lot of these comments do actually say the same thing you know we're okay we didn't actually allow mk down to too much but we were just stifled uh, we, we stifled them building from the back but again we we gift wrapped goals for them and once again our lack of a clinical edge hurts us in a big way so the consensus in terms of people getting in touch with us clearly seems to be the same uh looking ahead to next week are you making either of the trips yeah, I'm going. I'm still going to Wimbledon, so uh, I'll see you up there. Going to the level bottle before the game. So uh, yeah, you know, if any any of our listeners spot me or you up there, come and say hello. It was nice to uh, speak to some of our listeners on on Saturday before the game in the Victory Lounge. You know, we we mean you call up in the Victory Lounge, but also in in the Fat Men. So yeah, yeah, come that was, that was actually really nice, yeah. I had a rare trip into the Victory. I'm normally in the uh, good companion with the family, but we went into the Victory for a bit and, had, yeah, had a couple of really nice conversations with some people who listen. Um, yeah, thanks for reaching out, and uh, we appreciate all of your nice comments to us. And even those with criticisms, um, we take it on board, uh, and if we feel that we can improve the show in some way, you know, get in touch with us. We're, we're not above criticism. We're, we're not above reproach. So, yeah, by all means, if, if you have a criticism for us or you want something to, to change on the show that we can improve or add something to by all means but for those of you who you know come up to a, a, us and approach us and you know say nice things we, we really do appreciate it we're, we're glad we can bring you something every week we will wrap up there uh, next week three of us are back Liam definitely will be back we'll have a pub probably set during the uh, week that we yeah, can uh, we'll be, next week we'll be in the Rutland so we'll in, we'll in the Rutland yeah so we'll know we'll yeah. be in the Rutland today we'll be in the Rutland next week so you know return of the hand dryer I'm surprised that you didn't hear the news <laughs> going on, on the wife's hair dryer going during this podcast so uh, yeah but thanks for that Amanda for not doing that uh, <laughs> thank you indeed Amanda and uh, we look forward to the hand dryers next week and any of you might come on down but until the meantime this is the latest episode of three lads in the pub uh if you are going to the games on tuesday and saturday safe journeys hopefully we'll see you up there we'll see you next time sports social podcast network